Good morning. I am Apostle William B. Character, the presiding prelate of Discovered Being Ministry Incorporated. I'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast as we attempt to expound upon the man in the Bible by the name of Noah. Today we will discuss his character, his purpose, and what God had him to do in order to replenish the earth. Let us go to the throne of grace at this time and ask God to bless us as we partake of his holy word. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your love. For Father, you said greater love has no man than to lay down his life for a friend. Father, we realize that God is love, for you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for that life flowing through the blood of Christ and the reconciliation that was made by the shedding of his blood on Calvary, Golgotha, whichever name you use which is close to your heart. Father, we thank you for this podcast. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to get up this morning. And we are about to approach, Lord God, one of the most sacred times in history and in the world, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, who took upon himself the sins of the world. And Father, we want to thank you for that. Bless this podcast, Lord. Bless every ear that I listen, blessing that every heart that will hear it, bless every home, Lord God, that it enters. And Father, we will give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said previously, we are expounded upon the book of Genesis. We are looking into the character of Noah. Just who was Noah in the Bible? We first hear about Noah in Genesis chapter 5, which begins with, this is the book of the generations of Adam. This is a recurring phase in Genesis, and chapter 5 details the godly line of Seth as opposed to the worldly line of Cain. Found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Assuming no generation breaks, Noah represents the 10th generation from Adam. The genealogy, a genealogy account of Noah reads When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. His name, he named him Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Found in Genesis chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Right Right from the start, we see that Noah is going to be special as he is the only member in this genealogy whose name is explained. His father, Lamech, 
states that his son Noah will bring relief. Noah sounds like the Hebrew word for rest or relief. We learn quickly that Noah was to relieve them from, from, from in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 8, where we see the unfettered results of the fall as unrighteousness increases throughout the world. God indicts mankind with these words. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. Found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God determined to wipe from the face of the earth the human race. I saw I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. That is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. Yet, even in this situation, there is hope. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Despite the rampant wickedness that, and that was increasing exponentially upon the earth, there was only one man who stands out, a man whose life was characterized by the hand of God, God's grace upon him. Noah found favor with the Lord. God was about to send judgment upon the world for the wickedness, for its wickedness. Hallelujah, we got that today. But he extended his saving grace to Noah and his family. God will give you his mercy and grace if you deserve it or if you have faith enough to receive it. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 marks the beginning of the flood narrative. And it is here that we learn most about Noah's life. We learn that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and that he walked with God. One can almost see the progression of the spirituality in this description of Noah's life. By saying Noah was righteous, we know that he was obedient to God's commands as best as he was able and understood them at that time. He was blameless in his generation, standing out among the people of the day. How many of you know that God's got people out here assigned to communities and churches and other entities that bring forth righteousness through their lives and the words that they bring to us. Finally, Noah walked with God, puts him in the same class as his great-grandfather, Enoch, found in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. This implies not only an obedient life, but one that was vibrant and intimate relationship with God. We see Noah's obedience, obedient life demonstrated in his willingness to obey without question the Lord's commands regarding the ark found in Genesis 
chapter 6, verse 22, chapter 7, verse 5, and 9, chapter 8, verse 18. Hallelujah. Consider that Noah and his generation more than likely had never seen rain before, yet God tells Noah to build a large seagoing vessel nowhere near a body of water. Boy, you know these people will be talking about him bad. They talked about him there too. I know they said, what is with this crazy man that he's going to build an ark where there's no water and we don't even know what water is anyway. But Noah's trust in God was that he properly obeyed. Noah's blameless life is, that, is made manifest as he obeys the Lord in light of the approaching day of wrath. The Apostle Peter tells us that Noah was the herald of righteousness, found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And the author of Hebrews says that he condemned the world, found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, through his righteous action. Throughout the long delay of the coming of the judgment, Noah continued to faithfully obey the Lord. So most we never get to that point. Hallelujah. The, and the evidence of the, his walk with God after the flood, Noah built an ark and offered sacrifices to God. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. Worship was a central part of Noah's life. Aside from the flood narrative and the vignette of the drunkenness recorded in Genesis chapter 9, verse 20 through 27, we don't know much more. We do, know much, do not know much about Lord Noah's life. Surely drunkenness wasn't the only instance of impropriety in Noah's life. Like all of us, Noah was born with a sin nature. The episode of his drunkenness and included in the narrative more than likely to explain the animosity between the Canaanites and the Israelites. Despite this incident, we do see that Noah was revered as one of the few exceptionally righteous men in history of God's people. Twice in Ezekiel chapter 14, God says to the prophet that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were present in the land, God would not spare the people from this judgment. Hallelujah. That some righteous company, that some righteous company to be in Daniel and Job, we also know that Noah is included as an example of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Another indication that Noah was considered a model of faithfulness and that he had that kind of faith that pleased God. Found in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. With all that said, who was Noah in the Bible? Practically speaking, Speaking, Noah is an example of a life, a life of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, 
verse 7 says of Noah, By faith Noah was warned about things not yet seen, and in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah did, didn't need to test God like a lot of us do. God, before going into action, God commanded and he obeyed. This was typical of Noah's life. Noah was a part of a godly line of Seth, of whom he said at that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Noah was a result of a generational obedience and faithfulness towards God. If we were to model our lives after Noah, there is no better rule to follow than to be righteous, blameless in our generation, and to walk with God. In other words, be right with God, be right with others, and have a reverent and worshipful relationship with God. You can almost hear the words of Jesus echoing here when he responded to the lawyer questioning him, questioning regarding the great commandment found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 39. Theologically speaking, we can also draw some lessons from Noah's life. First and foremost, Noah's life shows us the eternal truth that we are saved by grace through faith. Found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Noah was an exemplary of individuals, exemplary individual, because he was somehow able to bypass the fallen sin nature we all profess, possess. God's grace was upon him, aside from which Noah would have perished with all the other wicked sinners in the flood. Nor is also a prime example that God saves his elect. We see that God was patient concerning the coming judgment while Noah built the ark. You can find notice of that in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. This truth is explicitly stated in 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. As we learn that the Lord will postpone final judgment until all the of the elect reach repentance. Finally, Noah's life serves as a reminder that judgment on sin will come. Hallelujah. The day of the Lord will come, found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Jesus uses the life of Noah as a foreshadowing of what will be like when the Son of Man returns in his final judgment, found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and 38, Luke chapter 17, 
verses 26 and 27. As such, we need to follow Noah's example and be a herald of righteousness and heed the words of the apostle Paul. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we will implore you to, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. Through, that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Like Noah, we are Christ's ambassadors in these last days. God's judgment is coming, but he offers reconciliation to Jesus Christ. We must take, and I'll say this again, we must take the message, this message of reconciliation to others. As we spoke today concerning Noah, each one of us as ambassadors of Christ, we have a duty, not to ourselves, not to our churches, not to our people that we think is right, but we have a, a duty and a responsibility to spread the word of God. We must forewarn people of the impending dangers that are coming upon this earth. We're looking at COVID. We're looking at de diseases that are rampant. We're looking at wars, or rumors of wars. We're looking at earthquakes in diverse places. We're looking at sons against daughters, daughters against sons, the mothers against fathers, and all kinds of stuff. We're looking at all kinds. I know I didn't repeat that correctly, but we know that a prophet had no honor in his own country, in his own house and among his kin. Jesus came to his own and they received him not. They did not receive the word from God. He warned them. I know if I was living in that day and I saw somebody building a ship on dry land at that location, I would be very curious and I want to find. I would want to find out why are you building this ark? What is the purpose of this ark? But one thing we know: we got an ark that we can go in. That new covenant that Jesus brought through His shedding blood on Calvary's cross. We got an ark of safety. Remember, my dear friends, that God's name is a strong tower where the righteous can run into and they are safe. There's no safety in, in the world. There's no safety in your bank account. There's no safety in your social status. There's no safety in your political position. Your safety is in the ark of Christ. It's in the word of God. That is your surety. That is all we have that will save us from the pains of death and Staying in hell for eternity. I plead with you this day that you will excuse my speech. It is getting better. And I have explained in many other broadcasts that 
the Gillian Bahrain has given me a speech impediment, but I just want you to know it's not going to hinder me. It's not going to stop me because I know who I serve and I know he's able to deliver you, me, or anyone else that believe in him from our sins. And he has already done that. You can't pay for your sin. Your sin is already purchased. You're already purchased by God. You're already his property. But you have to claim it through faith. I thank you for listening to this podcast today. I hope that it will be a blessing as we approach Resurrection Sunday. May God smile upon you. May he give you peace. May the love of God continue to permeate your heart. God bless you.